If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose, and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. Hello, once again in this new year of 2016 to get rich quick with Josh and Noel right here on. Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Never gets old, does it? No. <laughs> I don't know about that. I didn't, do, <laughs> I didn't do it the past couple times for the holiday specials. I totally forgot to do, do it for those. It's just a, a don't want to forget. Yeah. you got to give Radio Free Brooklyn a little shout out. Well, it's a new year. Back, back to action. Year. And uh, in this new year, our resolution is to get you all rich. Out there, yeah, as fast as humanly possible. Fast as humanly possible. Some would even call it quickly. Yeah, and in doing so, uh, we use topics. Every show, we have a topic. In the topic, we uh, explore different ways to get rich quick with that topic, and the agreement is, we don't do anything. We sit on the couch, we sit back, we come up with ideas, we put out the show. You guys take these ideas, run with them, and when you make your inevitable millions. Ten percent. We want ten percent of whatever you make. Tithe. That's right. Tithe. And uh, as part of our new year, our first show of the new year, we are in a new location for this one show. That's right. If it sounds a little weird, it's uh, it's because we're at my place. That's right. In beautiful Soho, New York. That's right. Soho, which stands for South of Houston, uh, one of the hottest, most fashionable neighborhoods <laughs> in New York City, <laughs> and uh, one of the most identifiable places in Soho now over the past few years has been the Dominique Anselm Bakery, home of our topic today. Which is cronuts. That's right. Dominique Anselm, who uh, uh, claims to have invented the cronut, yep. although that's highly disputed on a lot of levels. <laughs> um, and uh, we have a special guest today to discuss these guys, the Dominique Anselm Bakery and their cronuts. Our guest today, Noel Deneen, is... It's Mr. Joe Bird. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Josh. Um, you have a special relationship uh, with the Cronut guys. Well, he's got a restraining order against me. Do you think we won't have a problem with talking about him, right? No, no, no. No, no not as oh, far okay. as I know. This is your... This is your we're interviewing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, why does he have a restraining order against you? Because he's a jerk off. <laughs> hey, uh, this, Joe, you might want to get a little closer in there. All right. All right. Um, you know, at, at first, there was such a line there, uh -huh. and I sleep there. Okay. So I was first in line every morning, Uh huh. and he only sold so many. So I'd grab him, and then... I'd go count the people uh -huh. and say, well, you're not going to get them from here back. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, the bankers were having their, their workers stand in line and wait, you know, have them wait to get the cronuts. Right. So what happened was... Uh, so wait, you're telling me that people would send their assistants out to stand in line to get these fucking cronuts? Exactly. That's crazy to me. It's crazy that they're still in line after you get shut down for having... 
all those being re- rodent infested. Yes, that's and that's we'll get into that in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but but yes. I call them ronuts. Rodents mixed with donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh huh. That's good. So let me get this straight. You you in front of that building. You used to sleep in front of that building. Well, no, I slept on the park bench. Oh, on the park bench, right? Yeah. Okay, and then I. Be first in line. Was he? You would sleep on the park bench so you would be first in line. No, no. You just you slept on the park bench and you'd wake up and you'd be. That's like, where I sleep. Okay, yeah. that's fine. And 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 you would then get in line and be like, I'm going to buy me some cronuts. I'd get. I'd buy the cronuts. Right. He only allowed two per person. Uh huh. Like I said, I'd go to the end of the line and say, "You guys aren't going to be able to get any." Uh huh. And even even if. Even if he sold them at that point for, you know, and kept selling, he, he added more to it, it was going to take them hours to get there. Right. So they call their boss and they say, well, we can get first in line, get back to work, and uh, and have and get the cronuts. Right. Because they want them for their clients, you know, their clients right. and stuff. So, uh, so I'd sell the cronuts to them for $40 each. <laughs> <laughs> And how much were the cronuts? Uh, five dollars each plus tax. Five dollars, yeah, so I think like it was ten nineteen or something for like two that. cronuts. Yeah. Two cronuts. So they would come in and they'd give you eighty bucks for two cronuts. Eighty bucks for two, yeah. No tax though. No tax. Well, that's no very tax. decent. Every of you. morning, that's right that's a, for yeah, a yeah. little while. Uh huh. And after a few days of doing that, the news was, uh, you know, like doing news interviews. And I, you know, I told him what I was doing. Uh huh. And uh, you know, all these magazines were taking pictures and shit. Uh huh. And then all of a sudden, uh, this guy is like, he's he shows me his phone. He says, "You see that? That's you. You no scalping my cronuts. You can't get any more." <laughs> so anyhow, so now I couldn't go in there and right. buy him. He refused to sell them to me. Uh huh. So then I, I started selling my spot online. <laughs> and how much were you selling the spot for? Well, I sold it for the most a uh, hundred bucks. Wow! Yeah, that was uh, Nike. They had some kind of thing where they were running over the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, and uh-huh. and the sneakers are so fast that they got they got uh, first. They still got first in line at the corner <laughs> thing, but there was a big line when they got right. there. And you were the first in line. Yeah. And so, so you I sold my spot for hundred bucks. Have your spot for for their fucking commercial, I imagine. Well, I sold. I, right. Yeah. You know, uh huh. So I sold the spot for hundred bucks. Okay. And then uh, after that, uh, um, I'm selling my spot in line. Uh huh. And then he started refusing. The people that I sold my spot for, so I had to give them back the money. Really? Yeah, and I think that's illegal. Uh huh. Because people, if someone's standing in line, yeah, and 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 they sell their spot to someone, uh huh, they should be able to do that. That's that's first of all, that's not even his property. The sidewalks, right? And it's not even he puts a sign out there every morning, starting the line. Uh, and it covers the whole pack. Right. And, uh, but anyway, um, and, and he's such a pig. The, 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 no, the, 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 there's mice. If you go there at uh-huh. night, you'll see like 
hundreds of mice all right. all outside there. Yeah, he got shut down for it, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they, you know, they're all they're all hanging. They all come out the back of the uh, bakery there. I see him run up the wall, and then they were all uh-huh. over the uh, bases <clears throat> of the trees there. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, you know, mice love butter. They have a fucking thing for butter. I, I remember in one of my father's, my father owned restaurants in, in, in the West Village, and he had one in up, uptown, Upper East Side, for a while. And uh, <clears throat> the one uptown, they had a real mouse problem in the basement, which is where the, uh, the walk-in cooler was. And uh, you'd go in there first thing in the morning and open it up, and there'd be you know piles and piles of pound bricks of butter. Mm-hmm. And the only thing the mice would go for was the butter. You'd see this butter with just little mice scratch marks all in it and have like holes halfway through a pound of butter. But he would have to throw out anywhere from like on a, on a, on a decent day, 10 pounds of butter. Oh, wow. And on a, like a day that it got crazy, like when he knew, like, you know, it would be like, you know, 40 pounds of butter, 50 pounds of butter. Because these mice would just go willy-nilly. They'd get in and the only thing they would touch was the butter. They love butter. So a place like that that's selling a lot of cronuts. Why didn't you just get rid of them? Well, you do what you can, but it's New York. You know what I mean? There's only so much getting rid of them you can do. It's one of those things that when they, in, 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 when they infest, I mean, look, the reality of restaurants in New York is they're all kind of disgusting. Yeah. And there's only so much you can do to, uh, to get rid of them. I have... One restaurant story, I was working in a place and we, we had, we, we were, it was a basement kitchen and uh, we uh, had a rat problem. It wasn't like a lot of rats. It was like three of them, but they were there and they were big and they were bold and they would come out during service mm-hmm. and watch us cook. And then, you know, the dishwasher would run after him and start slamming at him with a broom or something like that, trying to kill him, and they'd run away. And we tried everything. We tried all the legal means to kill these rats, right? Because there are, there are poisons that you're not allowed to use. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, we called up this guy who is apparently a well-known restaurant exterminator. And I won't say the restaurants he's worked for or whatever, but he came in. And he came in with his own special blend of poison. Couldn't tell us what was in it. And he mixed it up with the rotten fish and laid it out in a tin right in the middle of the right in the middle of the kitchen. Two or three of them. And when we came in the next day, that shit was all gone. Yeah. And there were three exploded rats oh. in the middle of the floor. Oh, that's horrible. Within no time flat, these guys ate it. And whatever magic this stuff did, it caused these things to pop. Wow. But it's hard. When, when you get them in your place, the fact that they have a steady supply and they gestate so quickly and they have babies so quickly. And, you know, the babies are, are in the walls unless you're like ripping the walls out and getting them out of there. You're not going to get rid of them. You can seal the walls. You can seal the walls up to a point, but they dig their way through. It depends on the walls. It's yeah. hard. I'm just saying it's hard. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not justifying it. I'm not defending them. But it's hard to get rid of an infestation. Yeah. So, hey, Joe, uh, like, uh, if you read any papers or heard any articles about Cronuts when that went bananas over there, it sounded like hundreds of people 
where it's reselling cronuts and uh, selling spots in line. Were there other people doing this as well? There was two people. Okay. There was me and my brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was a uh, a professional line sitter. All right. He, that's what he does for a living. So he would get paid to go and sit on lines. Yeah, he charges like 25 bucks an hour. Uh-huh. And he'd sit there and wait there and and charge people 25 bucks an hour. Right. And he takes pictures of how long the line uh-huh. is. Uh-huh. And then lets people know, and then they can come when it gets short enough, and they'll take over his spot. So he's basically... No, no, no. no? He'd go in, he'd buy the Oh, cronuts, I see. Okay. And they'd take them and deliver them to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. So essentially doing what you were doing. Yep. Right? There's no difference, really, in yeah. that whatsoever. Yeah, but this guy had a hot on for us. Right. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, he didn't like you. Yeah. And he decided he was going to pick on you guys. Yeah. There was, there was a, a lot of problems. Then he... He tried to have. Uh, he tried to have. He he was looking for everybody around here to, to beat us up and get us out of there. <laughs> really, he yeah. was trying to get muscle on you guys. So he goes to this guy up the block. This guy Richie Gamba. Uh-huh. And he, uh huh. And he he has him come down there, and Richie's standing in the store with two. You know, before it opens, with his suit on, uh-huh. acting like a mobster. When I know he's not a made man. Uh huh. He's got. Two bags of cronuts and, and pastries. And, <laughs> and he says to me, he says, get in here. So I, I walk into a place and says, what do you want? He says, leave this guy alone. He's a good guy. I said, fuck you and fuck him, and I'll talk to you when you get outside, Richie. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, after that, you know, the people across the street, they have an advertisement company, and they have an artist and everything. Uh-huh. So they made a comic book, and uh, they made a comic book about uh, about what happened, you know, and him trying to get the get a mobster after us. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, I have a copy of it. Yeah, and then uh, what happened? He got a, a security company, um, and the security company, the the guy that was uh, security, he was an ex cop. Uh huh. So anyway, next thing you know, um, you see that you see the cop, uh, one of his, uh, one of the cops from the first precinct. I think he's from the first precinct. Uh huh. He comes. He's coming over. He's shaking Dominic's hand. Dominic. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, then the cop and his partner walk around the corner to where my brother was sleeping and I was sitting there, and a band full of cops, eight cops, pull up, they pile out of the band, and they stand behind them, and uh, this is the, uh, what they call, the cop is called the uh, uh, hipster cop. He's supposed to be the... I, I, yeah, I've heard yeah, of that yeah, guy. Yeah, I remember Occupy that. Most well-dressed cop <clears throat> yeah, in New York uh-huh. or something. So he kicked my brother. Just kicked him? Yeah, while he was sleeping. Uh-huh. Then he got up, and he was like, so I jump up, and I says, who the fuck do you think you are kicking my brother? And he said, I'm a New York City police officer, and I'll do what I want. And I said, fuck you, you'll not kick my fucking brother. And he fucking cocksucker, he said, turns around and says again, I said I'm a New York City police officer, and I'll do what I want. So anyhow... They wind up leaving. He says, I'm going to come back every day until you're gone. 
okay? And then uh, the, um, I, I, there was there was people around that that were filming stuff. Uh huh. I said, "Don't leave, because we're gonna get arrested today." Now this is on YouTube, <laughs> right? No, this is on uh, what the hell was it? If you look up uh, "hipster cop Cronuts," okay. They, the the lady says what happened you know he All right but there's film there's that the video was online there, somewhere yeah there was a little bit of film but not the you know not the whole yeah thing. not right. the, not the thing I don't know uh, yeah but I don't I'm not sure if it was the same article uh huh okay so okay but so so they said they were gonna come back every day and you said film keep filming because I'm gonna get arrested we're, we're, we're gonna get arrested right. because these cops this cop is bullshit because I. You know, I told him you don't fuck kick, and they wind up running off. Uh huh. And when I was yelling at him, all the other cops backed up, and then he turns around and realizes they backed up, because I was, you know, I was furious. Uh -huh. I I don't care if he has a gun or anything. Right. You don't kick my brother. Uh huh. Period. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's sleeping on a bench, and you you, I mean, he really kicked him high. Matter yeah, of fact. Yeah. He went in the hospital the next day because his hip got screwed up. Really? Yeah. So he hauled off and he yeah really he gave him just a, a wound food. up. And, well, if you listen to that other thing, you'll uh -huh. you'll 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 hear, you know how how he kicked him really hard. Uh huh. And uh, it just flipped my lid. Right. So anyway, um, about an hour goes by or something, and then uh, these people. Uh, that I told to stick around, they wind up leaving. And as soon as they left, what happens? Five cruisers pull up, or four or something, and one on Maki and a van. And uh, they get out, and the uh, guy goes into the trash can, and he grabs a, a empty can of Budweiser, mm -hmm. and he says, this is yours to my brother. And you don't have ID, you're under arrest. For what? They thought he was underage? No, 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 no. <laughs> for, no. For, for drinking outside? For drinking, yeah. But Without... if you don't have an ID, right. they can arrest you then. Right. So I, so I turn around and I say, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. Who, what, what, are you guys, what, what are you guys doing this shit for? Over this asshole? And uh, they said, oh, look, his brother doesn't want to go without him. And then they said, oh, well, you have a warrant. And I, and I, you know, I didn't have a warrant. Uh -huh. And uh, so then uh, what, what happened? They, uh, they got me in. They charged me with uh, obstruction of governmental procedure. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> some other bullshit charge. You know, it was all, you know. They it's just, all bullshit. They yeah. just do that. Yeah. If they want you, they're going to get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so there is... A little bit of bad blood between you and Dominique. Uh, well, the day that they had the article in yeah. the paper about them being rodent infested, yeah, and then they closed them down. I went there, and I went and I wrote with a magic marker uh, on the sidewalk, rodent infested, and I was putting an arrow to his uh, store. Uh -huh. And. Uh, <clears throat> He comes out and he's like, uh, you're going for a ride. And he calls the cops. And he's, and he's uh, 
him and his, uh, one of his work, they're kicking my hand trying to keep me from finishing <laughs> what I was writing. <laughs> and then uh, the cops come and, uh, and, they, and they arrested me. Yeah. And they called it uh, graffiti. Uh-huh. And uh, from what they're saying, what my lawyer said after, oh, man. At what my lawyer said was, oh, they can give you up to three years for writing on the sidewalk. It's called graffiti. <laughs> and I'm like, this is my lawyer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, but I'm just writing on the sidewalk. And there's kids, you know, writing with chalk all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so then they were saying, well, is it permanent ink? I'm like, no, it's just a magic marker. Yeah. So um, then... Uh, and I kept going to court. I, it was like two years of going to court. Uh-huh. Uh, and they never show up. They never show up. They never show up. They never show up. They never, and I'm like going there for two years. And then it's, it's like I, the, the time that they take off of that, I would have had to keep going to court for another two years. Like every, and it was getting way out of hand. So, uh, um, I flipped out at quarter. I said, you know, like this is this is this is how you get uh, people. And first of all, the guy, the guy had a restraining order. Yes. Yeah. So he had the the only... at this point he had the restraining order on you. So you couldn't be on your bench anymore, right? No, I could be on my bench. Yeah, I can't go into away. his business. Right. I okay. can't go into his okay. home, right. and I can't uh, touch him or, or talk to him. Right. Yeah. Well, I imagine you wouldn't go into his home anyway. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen. I never Perhaps, even yeah. threatened the guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I never even hit him, so I don't know how he got this restraining order. Right. And 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 how could you get a restraining order like that when I believe he wasn't even a a, a, a United States citizen? Yeah. Uh huh. Which I don't know how. Uh, it's money, you know. Money does a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Clearly, he's feeding people a lot of cronuts. Yeah. I mean, he got Richie Gamba there. He was. Clearly paying him off in pastry. <laughs> I mean, that's a bizarre, bizarre way to do it. And I wonder if all those cops were getting pastry too. Oh, they probably were. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't see many cops going in there. But well, I saw two going today. It's but... a little pricey for them. Yeah. You know, they're Dunkin' Donuts kind of level, and this guy's selling one cronut for five bucks and change. That's a lot of. Uh, that's a lot of uh, cronut. Yeah. So. What we do here is we, we take situations and we try to think of ways for uh, getting rich off them or, you know, <clears throat> making some money off it, right? Yes. Uh, and all our ideas aren't necessarily... Uh, Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so uh, I'm going to put one out there for, uh, for the situation, okay? So there's already been interest enough for these guys to make a comic book off of the situation, and I've known you for, for quite a while from around the neighborhood. Very interesting guy. If you were to sell your Cronut story or life story, the rights for it, for a book, for a movie, there's got to be money in that, right? I think so. I mean, I think that my guess is, because I don't know you that long, but I've, I've heard about you for years. And, uh, I mean, this is just one story in a, a list of your life. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, you're a colorful character 
in a neighborhood that used to be full of them, but now doesn't have any, hardly any more. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that there's someone out there that wouldn't be willing to or able to take down your story and monetize that for you and that person in some way, shape, or form. Not even necessarily selling your story per se, but actually uh, uh, transcribing your story and making it into a book and then you getting, you know, you would be co-author or something uh, like that. Ghostwriter. Yeah, having a ghostwriter or in conjunction with. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Joe Bird story or, you know, something along those lines. I don't know if that's going to fly, but I was was thinking, here's here's the thing I was thinking. Uh Uh-huh. Because I, I I flew pigeons when I was young. so this is this is my idea get rich quick uh-huh. okay. um, I have racing pigeons okay mm-hmm. and you know out of the city and then I have a spot in the city <clears throat> where I collect twenty dollars a piece for the you know like toys whatever yeah twenty dollars a piece. For the pigeons, for them to hold, uh-huh. release the pigeon, uh-huh. and make a wish. It's called the wishing coop. Okay. And you release the pigeon and you make a wish. You get a picture with the, and I have books with, you know, like with the picture of the pigeon, uh-huh. the, the band number, because, you know, like when you, when you have uh, pigeons that fly, you, you, like if you're a member of the American Racing Pigeon Association, uh-huh. they give you, you can buy bands. So each one has a specific number, and you take a picture of the bird, and you give them a book, and you let them pick out the pigeon they want to release. And uh, you know, most mostly try to get white ones and uh, yeah, right. splash yeah. what they call splashes and reds. There's what there's all kinds of names for the birds. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, like the the kid picks out the bird that he likes or she likes, and uh, they hold it, they release it, and then the per- the pigeon flies home to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the coop, the next coop over. I bring those pigeons in the next day, so that I'm not using the same pigeons and wearing them out. Yeah. And I do them, and then I go back to the other coop, and. You know, you can make money breeding these birds and selling them for meat, oh. even if you're selling them for five dollars a piece. Yeah. One time. Yeah. But if you're selling for twenty dollars a piece every other day. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the, that, they add up. That becomes a big profit. You know, we had uh, we have we have different segments in the show, and Josh had a segment. It was uh, a, it was the it was the spend that money segment. Yeah. Which is we do a thing where we. Because everyone who's listening to the show is getting so rich, they're going to have all this <laughs> they're money. So rich, they're going to have to figure out what are they going to do with it. And so we find these crazy expensive things that, hey, maybe if you're interested, you can spend a lot of money on that. And I was thinking the same thing while he was talking about the pigeons. Yeah. In China right now, racing pigeons are a huge market. Huge market. One just sold to a Chinese billionaire. For half a million dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are highly inbred racing pigeons. Right. They're from Belgium, I guess. Belgium. Right. They have the the best pigeons there. Right. Now, though, the question is, why can't we do that here? You're a breeder, right? You breed your guys, yes? You can sell them here. 
Uh-huh. But the, the, the birds over in Belgium, they're like real long-distance pigeons. Right. They're, they're like bred two, for that. Yeah, like... They go, they go over the, you know, they go like two thousand right. miles. The races around oh, they here go that far. Yeah, the races around here. Uh huh. They they're usually uh, uh, they they go uh, uh, hundred mile races, two hundred mile races, five hundred mile races. Uh, but but they don't. They you know, it's not like. It's not like that. So they go that far. I didn't realize that the races were that far. No, either did I. I would have thought like Brooklyn to Queens or something. I didn't even know how the races worked. You know, I've, I, it's, it's rarer and rarer now that you see people training pigeons on rooftops anymore. But when I was a kid, you used to see it all the time, especially in Brooklyn and, and well, mostly in Brooklyn and, and downtown Manhattan around here. But I used to see the guys with the big sticks on the roof waving them around and the the pigeons circling around, but I never saw any actual races. Yeah, that wasn't uh, those. Are, those are just uh, home of pigeons that they fly around. They, right. They try to take uh, other people's pigeons. Right, right. That's what I always thought that was. These are actual races. Yeah, huh? with racing pigeons, you train them. You take them like uh, in the morning. It's like a rich man's sport because you got to take them right. like every morning or every other, and take them like fifty miles away, seventy miles away. From each different direction, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you know, with the gas and everything, right. and all the time, and then they fly home. Right. And and uh, they, you know, it's it's it becomes expensive. Right. But in the race, once you once you put the birds in the race, and there's a lot of gambling in it. Mm-hmm. So you you uh, each pigeon has a band number. Right. And then when you go to the club. They have a rubber band, mm-hmm. and there's a number inside of it. You don't see the number, mm-hmm. and they put the rubber band on the other foot. See, the other band won't come off, but the rubber band they can take off. Mm-hmm. So they send them out like 200 miles, and they release them all at the same time. The pigeons all fly home, and uh, you know, to all their different, and they have air miles. Uh, they're registered for air miles, and they. Got the exact distance to your coop. Sure. Okay. And then uh, what happens is they, and then they have, you know, you go by time. And they, and in the club, they have a master timer. And the master timer is set. And then all the other clocks are, are um, they, they check all the timing on all the other clocks. And then they put a seal on it so you can't open the clock. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh, there's a roll in there like a cash register roll, mm-hmm. and um, what what happens is there's a key on top, and there's a little hole, and you and you there's little capsules, and as soon as your bird gets in the coop, you grab the band off of it. That's another trick. You got to get the bird in there fast, uh-huh. and even if you fumble, even if you drop. The plastic, you can lose thousands of dollars. Right. The, the uh, I mean, the rubber band. You put the, you put it in the capsule, you drop it in the clock, you turn the key, and it punches the exact time. Yeah. And if your clock's off a little bit, you're going by the master clock anyway, right. so they deduct that. Huh. And uh, and the, you know, like it's it's, and if you have really really good birds. You could sell the eggs without guarantee that they're going to even hatch. For how much would an egg go for? 
for a good well, bird. For a good they're, bird. They're all different prices. Well, uh, let's say you have a champion bird, a bird that wins all the time. Well, locally. And what you do right. is you mate them with another good bird. Uh-huh. Right, I understand. But uh, but let's say that the, the, the a, they top, t- a top price of an egg, what can you get? Roundabout. I, Give me a, a I have, guesstimate. Um, I have no a couple idea. hundred bucks? I, I have no idea. I mean, I've seen them sold for $500 an egg. There you go. That's yeah. pretty impressive. That's one expensive omelet. That is pretty good, yeah. Um, Without right, the guarantee that they're going right, to have. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. And it may just be it may just be a snack for you later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if it does, you know, you go long enough and it hasn't gestated, what are you going to do? You got to get your money's worth. Yeah. $500 hard-boiled pigeon egg. Yeah, you got to get somewhere. Um, right about this time, we like to do one of our segments. So if you just hold on one second, we'll get back to some more stories from you. But uh, it's time now, Noel, I think, for our tip of the week. That's right. Every week we have a topic, and we explore getting rich with that topic. But we also have uh, another little segment in there of just a couple minutes, which you can get rich quick just spending two minutes listening to this, and then come back later, listen to the rest of the show, make millions. Millions. So uh, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. It's our Get Rich Quick tip of the week. Secrecy and tax havens. The last place you would expect to find a booming business in anonymous corporations would be here in Wyoming. This single family house at 2710 Tomes Avenue is home to more than 2,000 corporations. It's the headquarters of Wyoming Corporate Services. Wyoming Corporate Services also has strategies to help you lower your tax liability in your home state, increase your asset protection, and give you back your privacy. One way WCS provides that privacy is through the sale of so-called shelf corporations. Like shell corporations, shelf corporations may exist on paper only. Shelf corporations are essentially older shells. They're put on the shelf where incorporators can age them for years, often giving them a credit and tax history before they're sold. The reason? To quickly create the appearance of an established business. There's also no need to list the buyer's name on the registration documents. Nominee officers can be provided. WCS sells a fall guy. The amount of money you spend depends on how long you want to make it seem like you've been in business. The older, the more stable. One formed in May costs just $645. One put on the shelf back in 2004 costs almost six thousand dollars so we all think of offshore tax havens right we think of the cayman islands we think of switzerland we think of panama wyoming so there are two money-making tips here one is you can move to wyoming and start your own tax haven all you have to do is like they say register corporations the in 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 this company the owner of the company is basically the nominee he's it's his name is on everything right so he's the name on all of these corporations so and what he does is he starts them then he sells them to people who want to hide their money mm-hmm. for whatever reason and apparently they're and it's this is completely legal is it Yes, it is. Ugh. Now, the reason there has Seems been it, it does the reason there has been a lot of new, th- there's been an investigative thing about it, and and the FBI and Homeland Security is investing in it is because people they're investigating the people who are buying these corporations because there have been several 
super sketchy people. And one of their big well, con- yeah. one of their big concerns is that terrorists are going to start using it. Oh, okay. Um, to hide money for cells and distribute money for cells through these things. And uh, basically all of these companies, like they said, 2,000 companies in the single family house, and you, you, it's a Reuters, uh, a Reuters piece, so you can look it up on Reuters.com, I would imagine, and, uh, and see this house. I mean, it is a dinky little house, and there is one woman sort of running the show in there with a headset on, and then every company is basically a mailbox shelf. And, you know, just an open mail slot. And that's each company. Huh. So you can start a company like this in Wyoming and clearly make a lot of money for very little work. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Right? Because I think if you are the, you know, the addition of being the fall guy is an additional several thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Um, there's, you know, like they say, a, a shelf corporation that's been sitting there being, you know, looked at as someplace that's been around for three or four years is $7,500, right? And then there is a maintenance fee you pay for the person to sit and answer phone calls and respond to letters and things like that. So, you know, you could be paying, you know, depending on how many years you want it to be, you could say $10,000 for a company that's five or six years old, plus an additional $2,000 to have someone be the name on the paperwork for you, plus an additional grand a month for maintenance. Yeah, okay. You, you, you kind of <laughs> think that a company would have to also do something other uh, than exist. Clearly it doesn't. <laughs> All you have to do is file the right paperwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't like that one. That one like creeped that you one. out, that, huh? That does creep me out. I was kind of blown away by that, yeah. that one, actually. Yeah, that's good research. That's, uh-huh. oh, that's <laughs> horrible. Uh, but, um, but there so, it is, guys. So there it is. That's your tip of the week. Two ways to do it. You can either start your own tax haven, you know, just start throwing your money in a corporation in Wyoming, right, and not pay taxes, or... Start your own corporation in Wyoming to help people as a money laundering tax haven. Yeah. <laughs> Completely legal on both counts. All in this country. All in this country. Um, so I was thinking, uh, uh, again, pitching some ideas. Um, and I went on the route of, well, the Cronut's really popular, right? It's mm-hmm. gotten so popular that even major corporations have knocked it off. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts did their own Cronut. Mm-hmm. And uh, change the name because your buddy Joe Dominique, Dom Dominic Dom Dominique, yeah, that guy. <laughs> he uh, he uh, trademarked the name Cronut, yeah. so yeah. no one can use Cronut. Now there have been many other iterations of it, uh, but they all have terrible names. Uh, the Crodo. <laughs> The Ronut. The Ronut. The Doisant. Uh, yeah, Doisant. Doisant. I know in uh, Chicago they have those. Uh-huh. And, and I, th- I realized, because, again, this is not a new thing. When I was in, pay- in, in culinary school, we used to take our scraps of croissant dough after we had made our croissant dough, and we deep fry them and sprinkle them with cinnamon sugar. That's a fucking cronut. Yeah. It's a cronut stick. But it's a cronut. So I was thinking, well, why is it? Why is cronut? Well, it's got because it's the crow's in, in front. And, and then it's this idea of the hybrid, right? So I was like, okay, so they're taking a croissant and they're deep frying it and then making it sweet. And it's a cronut, mm-hmm. right? The only nut part of it 
is the is shape. The, is the deep fry in the shape. Yeah. So I thought to myself, what if we do other things with croissant dough, right? And I came up with some ideas. The croetzel. Okay. Right? We take a croissant, we shape it like a pretzel, salt it, and done. But the problem with that is there's already a croissant pretzel. Yes, there is. Around the corner. Not, not over there. Not the other corner. Right. Um, so then I thought, okay, how about a crofin? A crofin? A croissant and a muffin. <laughs> we fill it with, with blueberries. We bake it in a muffin tin. And we push it as the crofin. Okay. So that's one. That maybe worked. The crope cake. Croissant <laughs> meets cupcake. Okay. Okay. That's another one. Uh, the uh, croclair. You just take it. You fill it with goop. Stick it, fill it with goop, and then frost it. You got an eclair croissant. Yeah. Right? How about uh, like a cring dong, crow dong? <laughs> crow like dong. A, a ding dong. Yeah. I, there's, but, uh, that's a good one. There's the, you can do a. a, a, a stick a, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do a, a crinky. Yeah. Like a, twink, a, cro, a croissant twinkie. So there are some ideas there. All right. And it's just about we have to get in a kitchen and test them. Yeah. And then, Joe. You would be on the cutting edge of this with people lining up to get your crow item. On the other side of the park. Yeah. Right. On the exactly. other side have of the everybody, park. Have everybody turn the other way. That's yeah. right. That's right. You can, you can, you can, do, you know, the Belgian waffle. And then very... I wouldn't have to sleep on the bench anymore. <laughs> well, that's, right. that's another thing altogether. But yeah, you'd be making money hand over fist. The Belgian waffle is very popular right now. Yeah. You do a croissant Belgian waffle in a waffle iron, call it a crofle. Okay. <laughs> you know, a variety of toppings, just like the like the, the dingus and waffles, guys. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, you know, you, you just it's just about coming up with the next idea of what you can do with croissant dough. Sure. We were thinking about making T-shirts uh-huh. with a crow with big nuts under it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sell those. Uh-huh. You could sell those right, you know, right from your bench, and yep. you make a fortune. Yeah, and that lineup that's still <clears throat> there every morning is largely tourists, and so they would gobble up those T-shirts probably, Joe. They would. That's not a bad idea. That's yeah. a good one, Joe. You should okay, work on that one. Okay, there's the millions. Yeah. There you go. That in the in the in the wishing coop. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those are they're just a couple ideas I wanted to do. I had another idea for fro nuts, which are ceramic testicles. That's like a chia pet. <laughs> <laughs> and you grow your chia seed on top of these 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 fro nuts, and they'll get like a big green afro on them. Uh huh. But maybe a little too close to cronuts, and we might get sued. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested that if you made those cronut T-shirts, right, with a crow, not it's not spelt right. the same it's way. Yeah. If he would try to sue you, if he, it would be interesting if he would try to sue you. He's gonna try to I, I really, he's a, he's a, he. They've been selling these cronuts. What? Well, whatever. I don't know. What do you know? What the name of them in Canada is? Where they had them for twenty years? They've been selling them. No, I do not. I didn't know that they were being sold in Canada originally. They, they were selling them for twenty years, and, and this guy just yeah, I heard about that in Vancouver or something uh, like that. I, I, I think it was Montreal. Okay, I'm not sure, but I, I did hear about that. Uh, well, whatever. Um, you know, on the same uh, kind of tourist angle, one thing that I thought that'd be good is um, you know how there's tours of like haunted New York and tours of like 
mob New York and stuff, you would be great because you are a, a full of personality <coughs> and you know the city very well and you're definitely <laughs> have some opinions and stuff. You could have a tour yep. of like crap you hate. Yeah, cocksuckers you, of New York cocksuckers tour. Cocksuckers of New York tour or whatever, but you could go around and show... But I don't hate many people. Well, no, they're not people, but it's like maybe establishments. I don't or, hate... Oh, okay. I, I wish everybody... Li- I okay. want everybody to make money, but this guy, he's a liar, he's a thief, and he's and he's, and he, and he's he's just a big criminal, and he, tr- and he hides it by lying. He lies, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he uses the law and in every way that he can... To hide it. Okay. Okay. So it wouldn't have to be stuff you hate. He's a real. That, that would be your I, only I, hate I, stop. On... I don't know if, I, if is it is. Am I going to get in trouble for saying this stuff? No, 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 no. This Nothing. is all opinion. Yeah, this is your opinion. It's all no. your opinion. You don't have to like no, the guy. It is my opinion. It's yeah. not my opinion. It's a fact. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand it's a fact. Yeah, he's, but it... he's fucked you over. But I'm saying legally, it's yeah. Not, you're not. You're not, not anything you have to worry yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Uh. Okay, so it could be a tour of Joe's New York then, but you could give tours of to tourists of what you like in the city, and you describe it in your terms. And I don't know if you know this, Joe speaks fluent Mandarin. No, I don't. You don't? No. I speak Cantonese. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but I don't speak fluent Cantonese. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, okay. No. I was always the impression you were fluent. No, 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 I'm not fluent. I speak... As they say in Chinese, which is, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, flu- I'm far from fluent. Okay. He, my brother, Kevin, he used to, he was fluent in five different dialects. Of oh, Chinese. really? Yeah. How oh, did wow. that come yeah. about? Well, from the birds, we, we, we had, a, we used to sell game birds, partridge, uh-huh. pheasants, ducks, quail, and uh, the Chinese like everything fresh. Right. So we were selling them live. And we had a stand in Boston, and we had a stand in New York. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he got really interested in Chinese girls, so we went to China, <laughs> and he studied Chinese. Uh huh. And then uh, he came back, and he started translating in courts and stuff. His his Chinese. Right. And uh, and still, you know, we were selling the birds, and he was, and what. Um, all that came to an end. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of things. A lot of things came to an end in in that business. It's like uh-huh. uh, chopping blocks, um, muskrats, possums, raccoons. Oh, you were doing. Those. You were doing. You were doing those kind of. That we were kind doing. Of food we were doing a lot. Uh-huh. A lot of yeah. Well, in Maryland, um, they have a lot of trappers. Uh huh. And they have these stores there, and uh, they they. You, I guess you can legal. They were legally, I guess, legally selling them in the stores, but uh, I'm not sure if they do that anymore. Right. But what happened was, uh, we'd go there and we'd buy them off the trappers. Well, the the stores would buy them off the trappers, mm-hmm. and they'd freeze them and they'd put them in this uh, cellophane wrap and see through. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stopped the van. And one time. I, I, I got another. I got a different band instead of a uh, one without windows. I got one with windows, and we stuffed them in there, <laughs> and we got stuck on the highway. And uh, it was, the sun was coming out. Uh huh. <laughs> and 
the, the sun was melting the the blood from the from so all you saw was blood teeth and eyeballs on the side so they called the cops on us the cops pull us over so uh we told them uh we told them we had a mink farm in maine mm-hmm. and that we were grinding them up because they're oil rich which they mm-hmm. are oil rich and uh and mixing them with the with the mink food mm-hmm so they let us go. But after that, we, we stopped selling them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 20 years ago. More than that. Wow. Uh, yeah, so about this time, too, we want to take a look at, you know, uh, so we've taken a look at a lot of ways where you can make money, but what are you going to do when you get that money? You're going to have to find a way to spend it. Uh, so we have a segment here called uh, Spend That Money, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn that will... Tell you lots of ways to spend the money once you get it after you've given us our 10%. That's right. Or uh, if you just need inspiration to get off the couch and get out there and make your millions, take it from here. Get re- uh, Spend that money. <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Even the parking spaces in Manhattan are beyond the reach of most people. The most expensive parking spaces in New York City are set to be put up for sale <laughs> at the cost of $1 million each. Ten spaces in the private Manhattan garage will be reserved for whomever can come up with the money, which is six times more than the average cost of a single-family home in the United States. One of the parking spaces measures about 23 feet by 12 feet with a 15-foot ceiling, which allows for a lift to be installed to store two cars in the garage. It comes with its own deed and sales contract, and the buyer also has to cover maintenance fees. Robert Knackle, chairman of Massey Knackle, is quoted as saying, The reality of New York City is that people are willing to pay more for a parking spot than the average person in the country pays for a home. So a million dollars, it's really for that that prime one, million dollars for two parking spots because you can put in a lift. Um, Uh, You know who I hope uh, spends a million dollars on a parking spot? Who? That guy from Wyoming who has those shelf companies. That guy deserves to buy a billion-dollar parking spot. <laughs> he can probably afford it, yeah. I would imagine, with those shelf companies. Yeah, it's part of it's a private garage within a condo complex right here in the Soho neighborhood. Ugh. One of the reasons I chose that because I knew we were coming to Soho. Yeah, I don't um, have a car. Yeah, it's it's not far from here. I, I think it may actually be on McDougal Street. Okay, and uh, it's ten apartments, which are selling for twenty-three million dollars a piece. I love the fact that you not only do you have to spend a million dollars on the parking spot, but you have to pay maintenance fees on it, too. Oh, sure. What do you think the fucking maintenance fee on a million-dollar parking spot is and a the month? taxes, too. Yeah, the taxes, everything about it. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is. It is. But uh, you got to have your car, I guess, right? <laughs> you, gotta, we gotta have your, you can have your car. You can park it on the street for free. Yeah, you can mostly take it every five minutes. Yeah, so what? It's still cheaper than a million dollars for an indoor parking spot. People got a, a lot of money. There's the, the building that I was in, the reason why I'm homeless here yeah. now, is the building that I was in, 63 Thompson, right across the street from the Thompson Hotel, in like what you said, the sweetest neighborhood. It pro- I, I think in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's a great neighborhood. And, and I love it. That's why I don't even leave, because I'm try- I got to get a place around here. Right. So anyhow... Um, the city, while it was being sued for not having room for uh, the homeless, mm-hmm. and the, the management company there, every time someone moved out, they padlocked the door, padlocked the door, padlocked the door, and didn't rent them, made the building look like it wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. 
And then every night they'd come in and they'd shut the heat down, you know, cut, shut the boiler down, make everybody uncomfortable. I don't know who did that. Probably these uh, super. I don't, someone went yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah. Matter of fact, I I started yelling at him at one point. I I st- I had to t- fill my tub with hot water. And and let the tub, uh, you know, before before he would come. Right. So let the have- tub get hot. Then I fill it with hot water again, and that's what I used for heat at night. Wow. Oh, the hot surround because the tub because is the iron tub, and all the yeah, iron the cast iron yeah. tub yeah, in yeah, the yeah. kitchen. So it would hold. It would hold the heat. Right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So then, um, they sold. They sold that building for one dollar to the management company. Wow. And gave them five million dollar interest free loan. Call himself a nonprofit or whatever. Uh huh. And then, they. Uh, then they they got us. Me, I had an apartment on on top floor, and my brother had an apartment across the hall from me. Mm-hmm. While they, while they getting sued for the for not having a room for homeless, they threw us a bolt out because we didn't have expressed permission from the management company to be in there. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, and, and we we fought it, but <laughs> right. but they. But, they had they had pulled yeah. there. It's know? it's yeah. not it's not easy being a tenant in those situations anymore. Yeah, in uh, one of the richest neighborhoods <clears throat> in the yeah. world. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. That's why they want you out so yeah, bad. Yeah, that's why they want us all. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know. Uh, that being said, yeah, I want to thank Joe for uh, being our guest today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Joe. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, we're at the end of the show, so real quick, you should reach out to us if you want any more information about Joe, where you can find him if you want to say hi. If you want to uh, talk to him about buying a Crow Nuts t-shirt yeah, um, or uh, just hear more of his stories in person, you can do that. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at uh, GRQ Josh Noel. You can email us at, us at GRQ with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. Or you can Facebook us at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. So send us uh, ideas for shows, rules to judge our schemes by. Just say hi. Whatever you want. If you want some stickers, we can give you some stickers. Yeah, and uh, we usually end with uh, our rules. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, so... Uh, yeah, we so a couple. Do a couple? Yeah. Okay, this is from 17 Things Rich People Do Differently. Uh, ready for it? Yep. Rich people play the money game to win. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Always, every day, no matter what our plan is, we're out there to win. So one for one. Uh, rich people think big. I think we were thinking pretty big. We took something as small as a cronut and yeah. blew it up into three or four different money-making schemes. Yep. So right there, we're two for two. On that note, we're going to say we're getting rich quick with cronuts, trademark. We can't use cronuts, but with our versions <laughs> of cronuts. Uh, again, thanks to Joe Bird. As always, remember uh, Herschel underscore yeah, the underscore Doxador at Instagram.com and Noel. Don't spend all that knowledge one place. <laughs>